Cats. We're doing cats today. Cats! <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Time to Adapt, where we break down movies and the books behind them. Absolutely. <laughs> that's what we do here. Selena, guess what? What, Mac? It's 2020. Woo. This is the first episode <laughs> we're recording oh, in shit, 2020. Yeah. Because we, yeah. we we thought the Orient Express episode was gonna drop like around Christmas, so when when it finally dropped, we're like oh, okay, well, it's what a better to- way to like bring in the new year than talking about the shittiest movie of 2019. Oh my! Cats. So yeah, because you know we're doing it for the culture because we're, we're culture. We're people. late on all the trends, but you know we try. Yeah. <laughs> it is January 28th, the time of us recording this. All hell is broken loose on January. Everything's going crazy. But you know what hasn't gone crazy? In a weird way, Cats is relatively sane <laughs> compared to January. Yeah. Well, we did watch it like when it came out and we will we will talk about our experiences. Oh my um, god, this later was on, something but else. We are here to give you, yeah, to break down what happened, you know, the books behind this film. And there, it is based off of a book. A uh, book of a, poems. A book of poems by T.S. Eliot, of all people. Um, I know, I was surprised. And <laughs> and then, surpri- like, obviously the musical. Um, so, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get into it. It'll be some fun stuff. So, Let's just kind of jump into it. So the book was called Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. It came out in 1939. Um, It's a collection of whimsical poems by T.S. Eliot. And he wrote the poems um, in the 1930s and included them under his assumed name, Old Possum, in letters to his godchildren. Um, Yeah, so as I said, they were published in 1939. And the cover illustrations were by the author... And were quickly republished in 1940 and illustrated in full by Nicholas Bentley. And they were, it was actually quite popular when it first came out, which I was interested to see. But yeah, so Mac is going to kind of go into the names of the cats because it, as you'll see when we talk about this later, um, the, the musical definitely heavily relies on the source material. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, okay, so. This is going to sound weird without a little bit of, you know, explanation. Yeah, go um, yeah, go for that. I've loved Cats as a kid. Uh, my parents got me into it. I had two picture books as a kid that were made up of parts of the poems. And my parents saw Cats on the West End in London, I think, two or three times. Wow, you came you come from a cat's legacy family then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we also I grew up with three cats personally, so that, that that has something to do with it. I'm the exact opposite. I didn't know anything about the musical. Well, I remember seeing like advertisements for it for like local theaters, you know, when they would uh be like, We're doing cats the musical and I was like, That looks dumb. Um <laughs> and I was like, I wanna just watch the I wanna see the Lion King. I don't care about these weird human furries. Um <laughs> and no hate to furries. You do your you live your you life. You be your weird self. We, live we, your we, life. We ain't, we ain't gonna hurt um, you. But yeah, I was just like, this is not my jam. And then with the movie coming out, I was like, Holy fuck, this is like actually a big it's actually a big thing. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's yeah, people a- don't realize that it <laughs> Was at one point the longest running show on Broadway until another Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, Phantom of the Opera, took it over. Mm-hmm. And I thought you were going to say Starlight Express. <laughs> no, that's in we, uh, <laughs> in the West End. We'll get into that. We'll we, talk about Starlight Express because we have to. We have to. It, it exists. <laughs> okay, so in the book of Practical Cats, there are just a whole bunch of little poems that range from that that most of them are like they say the names of the cats there's also a couple of just kind of like this is the naming of the cats this is the song of the jellicles this is of the awful battle of the peaks and the pollicles <laughs> to, <Sorry>. together <laughs> with some account of the participation of pugs and the palms and the intervention of the great rumpus cat that's all one word <laughs> um 
as well as the ad dressing of cats and cat morgan introduces himself but that one that was added in the 1952 edition so we have the old gumby cat jenny any dots who sits and sits and sits and sits and that's what <laughs> makes a gumby cat we have growl tiger's last stand which was my favorite as a kid because it was about a pirate cat that's kind of fun. Yeah, the movie did it dirty because it's literally the most fun song in the show. Mm -hmm. And it got fucked over in the direct-to-video cat stage show from 98. And it got fucked over in the Tom Hooper version. So fuck you, Tom Hooper. <laughs> Destroyed. It wasn't all at all about the weird fur and humanoid people or even Judy Dench lifting her legs to the heaven like a monster. <laughs> it was the fact that you fucked over Growl Tiger. You even got Ray Winestone in on this shit. Ugh. I'm fine. <laughs> got that out of your system? And we got the Rum Tum Tugger, who is basically a cat that just loves Cat Elvis. Attention. Cat Elvis, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my gist of the Rum Tum Tugger. And then you have Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser, which... Rumble teaser sounds like a butt plug. I yeah, I, I made that comment to Mac after watching the movie. I was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could do I mean, a cat yeah. themed it's sex a... toy line. Oh my god! <laughs> Don't give me ideas. I'm sorry, Don't I spoke that into. I'm sorry, I spoke that into existence. It could be like it could be like one that like you control it with an app. On no, phone. we're thinking too much about it. <laughs> we're done. We're done. <laughs> We're moving on. <laughs> Anyways, the other names of the cats are um, Mr. Mistopheles. <laughs> there's Old Deuteronomy. There's Macavity, the mystery cat. And Gus, the theater cat. I feel then, like he kind of ran out of ideas with Gus, <laughs> the theater cat. He has Macavity well, well, and Growl Tiger. I don't know. I'm just being an asshole. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well actually, a lot of these were kind of like the more common names of cats mm. in 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 England at the time. Some of them. I mean, I don't think there are any cats named Growl Tiger or Rum Tum Tugger. <laughs> or Rumple Teaser. Or, or Rumple Teaser or Butt Plug. <laughs> uh, or, but like, I mean, you know, I can see someone naming a cat like Gus or Maybe Skimbleshanks. Skimbleshanks. Yeah, Skimbleshanks, the railway cat. It was funny. Before we went and saw this, Thomas texted me, our mutual friend Thomas, texted me and said, Mac, is the name, is Skimbleshanks an actual name of a cat in this movie? Yeah. There's also Jenny Any Dots, Rum Tum Tugger, Mungo Jerry, Rumple Teaser, Old Deuteronomy, and he just cuts me off and goes, I refuse to believe any of this is true, Mac. It's true. It's real. And you know what this goes to show is that they were they were um Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tom Hooper were uh faithful to the source material. <laughs> you gotta give them that. <laughs> Cause and yeah, it, faithful it is, to cocaine. <laughs> like it, they are a series of poems and so there's not like a, there's not really any plot. Which is, which I guess makes sense. Well, there's kind of a, there's a plot. So if, for those who don't know, the plot of what becomes the musical and the film is that there's all the cats, they're jellicles. Who knows what that means? But they're jellicle cats. And um, they do like a talent show to decide which cat they want to shoot off into outer space. <laughs> it's essentially like. It's called the heavy side layer. Yes, the heavy Thank side. Thank you very much. <laughs> They're and, and basically sacrificing a cat <laughs> to live its better, like, another life. You know, they get a second you're, chance you're at not, life. You're not too, but you're not too wrong. Like, I'm, I'm butchering it because I think it's kind of funny as a plot because I'm like, they're literally like, no, like who can sing and dance? Cat into heaven is like, <laughs> Essentially, they yeet these cats off to their death so it can live another life. Um, and that's that's the whole plot. And like, let's get into some of the adaptions that come before we really dive into the musical because oh, yes, there's please. there's a lot of history with this musical. Um, so in 1954, English composer Alan Ross Rosthorn. Names Alan Rosthorn. Matt can do the names for me. Okay. Uh, you know at this point that I suck at pronouncing people's names. Um, he set six of the poems in a work for speaker and orchestra entitled Practical Cats, which was recorded soon afterwards with the actor Robert Donat. Robert Donat? 
Robert Dunnart. Robert Dunnart. <laughs> As the speaker. Um, about the same time, another English composer, Humphrey Cyril. Oh, I said that one right. Composed uh, another narrative. Uh, composed another n- narrated piece based on poems using flute, piccolo, cello, you know. And this work, Two Practical Cats, consists of a setting of the poems about Macavity and Growl Tiger. So those were kind of the only, like, the big ones. But bef- before Andrew Lloyd Webber, there'd been some attempts to turn the poems into song, but they hadn't been that successful. Yeah. Um, so getting into that, uh, so Cats, the, the musical... Um, it's a sung through musical composed by Andrew Lloyd Webber, as we've said. It tells a story, yeah, as I said, the about the jellicles and the night that they make the jellicle choice, deciding which cat they will ascend will ascend to the heavy side lair, so which cat they'll sacrifice and come back to a new life. Um and as of twenty nineteen, Cats remains the fourth longest running Broadway show and the sixth long- longest running West End show. Um, and Lloyd Webber began setting Eliot's poems to music in 1977. Yes, this was roughly after the time that he was uh, he had done Jesus Christ Superstar, and that 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 was sort of like his like real like takeoff was through Jesus Christ Superstar, and from there like he um, from there he kind of dusted off his old college thesis, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, mm-hmm. and then from there. Um, around came cats and um he got his good friend to producer cameron mcintosh who also produced the stage productions of les miserables and phantom of the opera Ooh. and recruited director trevor nunn and choreographer Gillian lynn to turn the songs into a complete musical now it opened at the new london theater to very positive reviews in the west end in 1981 and then to relatively mixed reviews at the Winter Garden Theater on Broadway in 1982. Despite the mixed reviews, it won numerous awards, including Best Musical and both the Laurence Olivier and Tony Awards. Despite its weird premise and (laughs) made investors like, what the fuck is this? You're singing about... It turned out to be an (laughs) unprecedented success. It has grossed... $3.5 $3.5 billion worldwide by 2012. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. That's so much money. <laughs> and the London production ran for 21 years and 8,949 performances. And the Broadway production ran for 18 years and 7,485 performances, making it one of the longest running musicals in both theater districts for a number of years. The musical is unusual in its construction, along with Elliot's poems. Music and dance are the main focus of the show, at the expense of traditional narrative structure. And all the cats look like extras in a Kate Bush music video. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not saying as a... Like, they, like I love Kate Bush, that? but like they would they would definitely fit within... I mean, what are Kate, what is, what are Kate Bush fans but theater kids? Oh my God, you're so right. Yeah. <laughs> I hate theater kids, but I love Kate Bush. Just saying. That's Mac, it. you kind of are, I am. That's you the are joke. a theater kid. <laughs> I, that's the joke. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm in on it. So, most of the lyrics were taken directly from the Book of Practical Cats with some minor alterations. Supplementary verses from unpublished poems by Elliot were adapted for Grisabella, the Glamour Cat, and the Journey to the Heaviside Lair. While the song "The Moments of Happiness" was taken from a passage in Eliot's *The Dry Salvages*, the director Trevor Nunn and lyric- lyricist Richard Siegel provided the remaining lyrics, namely for the opening number, "Jellica Songs for Jellical Cats," and the most famous song in the musical, "Memory." Weber had began to produce the mu- compose the songs in late seven- 1977 as an exercise, partly because his book, the Eliot's book, had been a, a favorite of his and partly to see if he could write music to predetermined lyrics. Practical Cats, as the show was then called, was first presented as Song Cycle at 1980's Summer Sidmonton Festival. Now, Sidmonton is uh, Weber's summer home. Oh, okay. And every summer he would do these little parties for him and his, him and his friends, and that's where he would like show new version. He would show 
what he's working on, and he would like just show like as a work in progress, and then afterwards talk to all his friends. Say, okay, what do you think I need to do? Well, what works? What doesn't? He did this with Cats. He did this with Phantom of the Opera, and I'm pretty sure he did it with um, Aspects of Love, but I don't quote me on that one. Um, Elliot's widow and literary ex- executor Valerie was in attendance and brought along various unpublished cat-themed poems by Elliot. One of these was Grizabella the Glamour Cat, which, although rejected for the book for being too sad to children, gave Weber the idea for a full-blown musical. The music and dramatic images of this created... In, in his words, he explained, that the musical and dramatic images that this created for me made me feel like there was very much more to the project than I had realized. I immediately decided that I needed the support of another to encourage me to rework my settings and to see if a dramatic whole could be woven from the delightful verse that I was now about to be allowed to develop. Now, do you know why Grizabella the Glamour Cat was left out, besides being really sad? Why? I I don't really... It's basically kind of a slut-shaming thing. Oh, yeah. Because Grizabella is kind of... It's kind of implied that she's kind of a prostitute... She's kind of, yeah. She's seen some shit. She's seen some shit. Yeah. So, take it away, Selena. Yeah, so, I guess, do you, we could dive into the film if you want. Like, there, there was definitely a lot that, um, a lot that went into development. Um, actually, wait. Um, actually, there's this fact that I saw that I thought was very interesting that yeah. one of Noon's stipulations for agreeing to direct uh, Practical Cats was that Judy Dench would be cast in the musical. Um, wow. Lloyd Webber was super happy to apply g- given her credentials. So uh, Dench joined the company Shit, in the dual sense. Yeah, in the dual roles of Grizabella and Jenny Any Dots. Okay. Um, so. You've never so you've never seen the musical. No, I well I saw I've seen clips from the what was it a, the um, TV version the TV version that um, but yeah I've never like sat down and seen it. Okay, so like, my my parents took me to see it. I think when I was nine or eleven, one of those years, and it's it it makes sense on stage. There are certain things where like, I mean, freaking Starlight Express. Makes sense on stage, but if Bay- I were, barely. But yeah. But if like it's a, it's something where like if I sat down and explained the plot of Cats to you and you'd never heard of Cats, you'd think I was insane. Think, yeah, that's crazy. That's stupid. Nobody would want to see that. But it works, and in a weird way, I think Weber has always found a way to find to put like a, a, incredible music to these bizarre romps. Be it Phantom of the Opera, to Cats, to Starlight Express. And when I saw it, like things happen, like when the overture starts, the cats come out of the out of the audience. Oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah. They like come through the doors and they're like, go meow. <laughs> Is that my one meow? Yeah, that's God your one it. meow. <laughs> okay, I'll be generous and I'll let you have one more meow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But, like, as I recall, like, there were, like, black lights, and the black lights would give off different colors on some of the cats as they were running around. Mm-hmm. And then at certain breaks in the songs, they would, like, some of the cats would jump out into the audience. Like, the Rum Tum Tugger would always come out, find one person in the front row, grab them, and just start dancing with them. And they'd just be dancing together for a little bit. <laughs> it's kind of cute. It was kind of sweet. And I kind of got the sense from watching the, the like, the TV, like, stage play mm-hmm. that like the songs work so well like it it works as a stage musical like oh yeah and having seen the film before really diving in and seeing those clips i was like oh my god this makes so much more sense um like i i think i could enjoy it as a as a musical sitting down because it's all it's really about the the music and the dancing okay. and this like the singing and the dancing and that's essentially like that's the the, the glue that holds the nonsense plot together. <laughs> okay, so the next time cats comes to town, we have to go see it. Oh boy, I guess. Ooh, I'm. I'm. Yes, I'll do it. <laughs> Good. Good. 
Good. I'll do it. <laughs> do it for Judy. I'll, I'll do it for Judy. Okay. Dame Judy Dench. Dame Judy Dench. <laughs> so yeah, I I think I would enjoy it more as a, as a musical. Yeah. But going with that, let's I guess let's talk about the film and how they how oh how boy. they try to adapt something oh that was boy. clearly meant to stay on stage. <laughs> um. So yeah, the film was directed by Tom Hooper. Um, in his second feature musical following Les Miserables uh, in 2012, um, from a screenplay by Lee Hall and um, Hooper also. Uh, it features an ensemble cast including James Corden, Dame Judi Dench, Jason Derulo, ugh, uh, Idris Elba, <laughs> Jennifer Jason Hunt. Derulo. Ugh, I just, I, that's how I feel when I hear his name attached to cats. Uh, Jennifer Hudson, um, Ian McKellen, Taylor Swift, Rebel Wilson, and Francesca Hayward. Um, and uh, Cats was th- theatrically released in the United Kingdom and the United States in December 2019 by Universal Pictures. Um, an animated film adaptation based on the musical was initially planned by um, Emblemation in 1990s, but it was abandoned with the studio's closure. So in January 2018, Hooper and Working Title began officially casting for the film while looking into technically into technical aspect of whether the film would be entirely live action or computer generated or a mix of both with um, Lloyd Webber announcing he would be writing a new song for the film adaptation on in October, 2019, it was announced that the new song is would be titled beautiful ghosts written by Taylor Swift and Lloyd Webber. Swift said that the cast attended a cat school in which uh, she says we would literally do hours on end <laughs> of barefoot crawling on the floor, hissing at each other. <laughs> so- Are you okay, Mac? Yes, fine. <laughs> no, I just, I just imagined grown ass adults just crawling on the floor. Grown ass adults just crawling on the floor and getting fucking paid to do it. <laughs> Yeah, and they got to hiss at each other. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, Usually that's only what the weebs in high school would do. <laughs> I know. They, that's what grown-up theater kids get to do now, I guess. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> so, Cats used extensive visual effects throughout to convert the live-action actors to computer-animated cats. Um, companies that worked on the film included Industrial, Light & Magic, and Technicolor um and then Mill Film and MPC. Uh, to add, to aid this, the actors performed in motion capture suits. Uh, the bodies of the cat characters were rendered with digital fur, which was blended digital with fur the technology with the actors' S- actual faces. State of the art. It they, they like it sounds all state of the art, and like obviously, like the animators. Oh my God, bless their hearts. The, they put so much work into trying to make animators this look of up. cats. We salute you. We salute you. That it's was not your hard fault. fucking work. Um, so, but it's interestingly enough, this like uh, the most of the work on the VH, um, VFX for the for cats was performed by um, performed at MPC Vancouver, which had previously worked on redoing the visual effects for Sonic the Hedgehog. Wow! So I was like, damn, their plate was fucking full, having to redo Sonic the Hedgehog, and then fixing cats and clearly <laughs> one of them they succeeded in yeah like even with the well mac will probably go into it a bit more yeah. but like they had to redo everyone's probably heard but yeah they had to redo so the first trailer was released on july 18th i remember the moment i saw this trailer i think you sent it to like you sent it in our group chat or someone sent it because i remember being and like, i was just like <laughs> No, <laughs> this can't be real. And, of course, it got obscenely negative reactions. Many viewers were unsettled by the mix of CGI and live action used to portray the cats. And it's part of the example of the Uncanny Valley, which, those of you who don't know, it's when, like, you see something and it doesn't, It's it looks, it's supposed to look real, but there's something off about it that you just can't put your finger on. And that just adds a moment of, of like, inhumanness to it yeah it's just creepy so 
some comparing it unfavorably to also the design of Sonic in the first trailer to the Sonic the Hedgehog film. Remember when that came out? Oh my god, that was Holy atrocious. Shit. He had teeth. He had fucking <laughs> teeth. His eyes looked weird. Uh, meow. <laughs> that's your. Damn it. That's your. Well, okay, that was I a. <laughs> Yeah, actually, no, I'm going to put my foot down. That was your second meow. Damn it. Okay, so. Those who remember the Sonic the Hedgehog, when that trailer came out, the movie got delayed because of the negative backlash, just so the animators could go back and fix it. Bless those animators. Bless them. I feel so bad. <laughs> and that's mainly the reason why most people like, we're going to go see it now, because we kind of... You have to. We have to. We <laughs> asked for this. So, the original release contain of Cats contain numerous errors and glitches, such as one scene in which Judy Dench's human hand, complete with her wedding ring, appears inside her character's cat paw. Ah, I didn't even know this. We, we, we got to see the one the, the copy that was patched. Yeah, like, patched. It was rough. This is the first movie to ever come with a day one patch. Mm-hmm. Like, oi. So... After poor reviews, Universal notified cinemas on opening day that the, an updated DCP package with improved visual effects would be available to download on December 22nd, urging them to replace the current print as soon as possible. Studio executives and cinema owners warned, owners said that the decision to release a modified version of a film already in wild, wide release was unheard of. So as of... January 26th, that movie has grossed $27 million in the United States and $38.5 million in other territories. Worldwide, it's made $65 million against a $95 million budget with, and I add, none of the marketing added in on this because they went all out Yeah, the marketing. It was everywhere. Yeah, especially clips of, uh, they were really trying to sell Taylor Swift and Jennifer Hudson hard. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would too, because Jennifer, Jennifer Hudson, Hudson put that on the on her back. She put oh that movie on her back. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about yeah. like our th- our thoughts about it soon. So it was in the cast was initially projected to gross fifteen to twenty million in opening weekend because Universal wanted it, thought it would appeal to young women as counter programming against the rise of Skywalker, and they wanted Taylor Swift to in the marketing as much, despite the fact she only appears in one song. Because of this, she didn't heavily promote the film that much to her fans, which I kind of I kind of respect that. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, are you a real fan? Go see my movie. Like, you, She didn't do that, so... It wasn't the, really her movie at all. She barely was in there. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, a- actors, a lot of, like, bigger actors do that, too. Yeah. So, um... So, Rotten Tomatoes gave it 20%. <laughs> Based on 272 reviews, with an average rating of 3.7 out of 10. Despite its formidable cast, the Cats adaptation is, cl- is a clawful mistake that will leave most viewers begging to be put out of their musery. <laughs> there oh. is one review that I loved that said, Cats is so bad that it's literally the worst thing to happen to real cats since dogs. <laughs> Variety called the film one of the mo- one of those once in a blue moon embarrassments that mars the resumes of great actors. Poor Aegis Elba, always scarred enough as the villainous McCavity, and trips up the careers of promising newcomers like ballerina Francesca Hayward, whose wide-eyed mouth agape Victoria displays one expression for the entire movie. He criticized the direction and effects and warned that the film would appeal to furries. I don't know. I haven't heard a lot. No, I haven't heard. Like, I feel, well, not that I keep my ear to the ground as to what the furries, furries are talking are about, to. but like, like when uh, Zootopia was out, like furries were all about it. Yeah. And so like you heard about it, even yeah. if you didn't, if you didn't even follow those circles, but that's I, how I, bad I, this movie is universally. Even the furries are like <laughs> quiet. No, about it. they're quiet about yeah. it. And Jezebel predicted Rich Juswick of Jezebel predicted that Cats might become a cult classic like that of the Rocky Horror Show, noting that sing-along screenings of the film were already taking place in Toronto and Los Angeles and were selling out. Oh, wow. Now, this is my thing. Yeah, tell it, me tell me about your, like, tell me your thing, but then tell me about, like, your movie-going experience with this. Because yes. 
yeah, we have some like I watched it twice in theaters. I know. Forgot about that. <laughs> so I'll tell I'll I'll explain why I saw it twice in theaters. <laughs> so I always I've always loved this musical as a kid and I was I was I was tentatively excited for it because it could in the right hands it could be good. And at one point, Steven Spielberg was attached to direct an animated version of this in the mid-90s. But that was when Am- Amblin- Amblinmation was still, in, was still, was still around. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that, as soon as that went, went up, belly up, so did the Cats movie. However, just like you could see the writing on the wall a mile away. And I will say, I am one of the people who believes this movie is going to be a future cult movie because there's already like the Alamo draft house have announced that they are planning on doing a midnight, midnight screenings of cats with like, they'll probably like have like, they'll serve milk and you can (laughs) scream and meow at the screen as much as you want. And I'm so excited because let's get into our experience. December 29th, <laughs> 2019. You were there. I was there. Graham I saw was it a there. a few days before, too. Yeah, but yeah. I'll Please. I forgot about that. Yeah, Let, so. Let's tell your story. Um, so for, so my, uh, so my boyfriend, <laughs> he, my Christmas gift from him <laughs> was like a surprise. <laughs> So he gave me all these clues. It was really fun. And then, so he gave me all these clues so I could like try and figure out what it was. And, um, like one of the clues was like by far the worst type of entertainment. And like, it was, there was, it was like so, so many layers to it, but we're driving up to the theater and I'm like, it's got, wait, is it cats? And I was like, it can't be cats. Like you wouldn't subject yourself to cats. Uh, turns out my gift was seeing cats as a surprise. (laughs) So, the, yeah, this was like probably like a three days after Christmas. So we went to see Cats. It was basically an empty theater. There was a group behind us and they were like some they were older people. And there was like one person in the group leaned over and she's like, are you guys seeing this like for real or as a joke? And we're like, oh, no, we're watching this as a joke. And her face fell. And she's like, oh, the rest of my group, they're watching it as a joke. But I'm actually really excited for it. I was like, oh. Sorry, we're going to be laughing and talking through this film. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. So that was my first experience with it. Like we we kept it down tiny to a minimum, but I was just in shock. I couldn't really process what I was seeing. So I actually appreciated seeing it again for another time um, because I was able to like really take in what I was seeing on screen with and obviously the second time I went with Mac and Graham and, you know, a few of our friends and oh boy, oh it was gosh. fun. Cause that was more of a, that theater was full and everyone was ready to like have at Except it. for the people in front of us. Except. Yeah. I, I was, I, okay. So take it. We over. got stoned. <laughs> Not stoned enough. <laughs> Not stoned enough. I was kind of just, I was kind of disappointed because I was like, Oh, we're going to hotbox the car and we're just going to, I didn't have that much. <laughs> it's okay. It was still an experience. And I feel like that's something you need on like you need edibles for. Yeah. And like there were so many things already that kind of freaked me out before the movie even started. There was the do a little trailer where it was the first time we saw there's a dragon in the movie and I was like, "Yeah. Oh god, this looks terrible." And then there was the trailer for the uh, the Sonic movie and I'm just like Oh, I forgot about less that. terrible. <laughs> and then there was a trailer for it's not going to be good, but it's going to be less terrible. That's true. And then there was the one for the Call of the Wild movie with Harrison Ford. And I was like, I, I actually would enjoy that movie. But the dog looks weird. The dog does look weird. It's all it's like animated. But, so, you know, then the movie started and I was kind of into it until Rebel Wilson showed up as Jenny Any Dots. Oh yeah. So I have so many thoughts about all a lot of the people. Okay, so I want to read out this one piece, and it comes from birthmoviesdeath.com, and it is from 
A Conversation with the Guy Who Took Mushrooms and Saw Cats by Britt Hayes. So, <laughs> this is what it. it says. I was squirming in my seat, tears rolling down my face. I kept blurting out yelps of anxious laughter every time I saw a new nightmare creature appear on the screen. <laughs> Step, his wife, gave me her scarf to breathe into and muffle my reactions. No one else was laughing at any of it. <laughs> and that helped comfort me a bit until Rebel Wilson appeared and spread her horny cat legs wide open, <laughs> exposing what felt like a sarlacc pit of CGI fur. <laughs> like I was staring into the abyss. I yelled, fuck! and spilled my popcorn when that happened. (laughs) Certainly, this couldn't be real. It couldn't be happening. Why was no one reacting? Was I hallucinating all of it? Was it just a normal film, and I was the one creating the dancing cockroaches and their mice children? And then she zipped her skin open. (laughs) Why did she zip her skin open? That scene was fairly early in the film, and it was devastating. I could feel myself slipping. The movie wasn't funny anymore because it's, it's a relentless pace and movement just kept throwing more weird CGI-haired monsters at me, and it didn't seem to have any plot or destination, just a ceaseless assault of cat people. I would if it would ever... I wondered if it would ever end, and I wasn't sure if it had ever begun, if maybe it was just a gibberish world of horny fur demons <laughs> swinging and dancing and swinging about their space cult or whatever the fuck was happening. This is it, it's honestly one of my favorite pieces of, of yeah. Go take journalism. a to, go take a read because I read uh, the first portion of it and it's hilarious. I I, I can't breathe. I'm laughing so hard of it. <laughs> so anyway, as soon as that scene happens with the cockroaches, I was just like, "What the fuck? This does not look good. This is terrifying." It, it takes a it, hard dive after Rebel Wilson. It's that song. It's the Rum Tum Tugger song, and it's the Bustopher Jones song. I think it's those three in that order. That's what really caused it to fall. Because I could have bought like ninety percent of the film if those three songs were not together. I can, I can, I can get behind that because Jennifer Hudson. I will say this about the film: like the positive things about the film is Jennifer Hudson. She is so good at like crying and singing beautifully at the same time but like ugly crying where you believe it where I was like oh my gosh I'm actually like feeling feelings for this sad cat who's just sobbing her eyes out but also singing just like oh my gosh um and the beginning the very beginning before before Rebel Wilson I was like like I tried to believe it. Like some of the CGI is just really creepy because oh, yeah. it's like they're standing still, but their faces are wobbling and it's just very, yeah. it is very uncanny Valley, but I was like, I can try to believe this. Yes. Um, where it failed was rebel Wilson. <laughs> For me, it was James Corden, James Corden, because I f- almost fell out of my seat laughing over how stupid it's so stupid. It was cause it's an okay song, but there's a scene where they try to catapult him into a buck into a barrel. It's just a it's so string slow. of fat jokes. That's yeah, literally that's it. That's literally it. And, and like it's all the jokes are either fat jokes, like cat puns, or just other yeah. really low bar. It's it's not funny because it's there's no like creativity behind it. Man, no effort I can't into the I jokes. Saw this movie. <laughs> I can't believe I saw it twice. <laughs> I, I thankfully only paid for it once. Thank That's you. true. That's true. That's true. So, As my gift, I didn't have to pay for it, but I had now, to okay. suffer through it. <laughs> Remind me, because after reading that, I can't remember. Does Judy Dench lift her leg? Yes, she that does. does. Okay. 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 There's I thought this I was moment. Hallucinating that. Okay. There's also oh another moment that oh okay. So Judy Dench, the dame. Judy Dench lifts her leg to the heavens, as Max said earlier, and she is just she's just hanging out there, flashing people. And (laughs) I was just not expecting that from Dame Judy Dench. And people understand there's no genitalia down there. There's like Ken dolls down there. Except for we're we're, I need I need to say a word about uh, Idris Elba's cat. (laughs) Like whoever like whoever decided like they they decided to animate his fur and like color it the same color as his skin color. So he just looks like aggressively naked, like a very hairy, (laughs) 
hairy skinned, aggressively naked Idris Elba, and it's so uncomfortable because usually I would Look be. Look at me, I'm Black Superman. Usually I'd be down to see a naked Idris Elba. Oh, me too. Like, but I. That Idris, call cat me. Cats turned me off of seeing a naked Idris Elba because that just ruined it. Oh my god! Because he just looks aggressively hairy. Like it Sasquatch. is ridiculous. He, he, he looks he like he looks Sasquatch like, with a tail. He yes, and he just one didn't he say like magic when he would disappear? It was something dumb. Magic. I don't know. Abracadabra. I don't know. I don't know. It's just nonsense. Oh, one of my favorite. And then Judy Dench at the very end of the movie. Sorry, I'm getting heated because there's so much weird shit. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm remembering it. It's all flooding. I thought I closed the gates and I thought I had blocked off those memories, but it's all opening now and it's just flowing. It's all through. coming back to me now. So at the end of the film, they're singing about how to address a cat. And then Judy Dench breaks the, the fourth wall and just stares you down, the audience member, for like two fucking minutes. I and swear, you're I thought she was speaking directly to me. <laughs> this is how cults are started. People see Judy Dench speaking to them and they just go, oh, I will not address a cat that way. I will like I will listen to you. I will start, Cats are I not will dogs. start a cult. <laughs> UFOs are God. God will send me away in a UFO. I'm going to kill 900 people in Guyana. <laughs> <laughs> and then you become Jim Jones. I no, I don't Jim think. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's a weird fucking film. It's so fucking weird. It's so weird, but I'm, I'm glad it exists. I'm, I don't know. I'm still conflicted. Like I, it's, I don't, it didn't need to be, but it is <laughs> but it is like watching it the second time i was able to just it's a very confusing awkward film it's so awkward like there i feel like if they had approached it a different way it would have worked better like they were trying to shoot it as a like obviously this sounds weird but they're like they were very much in a film mindset when they shot it and i think if they had stepped back and tried to work on the strengths which is like it's a stage play it's meant for the stage so try to emulate that on top of that i think another issue is that tom hooper who before this had won an oscar for the king's speech he had done les miserables he had done the Danish girl. He's kind of part of his style is shaky camera work. Oh my god, so much fucking shaky camera. And then, you know, for you no watch reason. Les Mis, it makes sense for Les Mis. Or at yeah. least you, you, you can buy it for Les Mis. It doesn't work for cats. Oh no. And that's part of the reason why the CGI is so terrible, is because the CGI you'll have to track the shaky camera. So their faces are just all wobbling while their yes. bodies are kind of still. That's it's part so... of why it was so terrible. So no. On one way, th- that, that's that's on you, Tom Hooper. How dare you? Yeah, I and I don't know. Like watching the movie, like I don't know. I, one one of my first questions that I wrote down for this episode was, "Who is this film for?" And honestly, watching that movie, I'm like, it doesn't make sense for children as it is because it's kind of terrifying as a child i would have been terrified watching it but also i got terrified watching the first like two minutes of mulan so i don't know i'm not sure if i'm a good gauge um to see what we're children on you yeah yeah you know the first two minutes are like horrifying um okay but yeah so it doesn't really make sense for children and like for anyone who's never heard of the musical it doesn't really make sense because oh yeah if you know nothing the musical (laughs) you're gonna hate this yeah like you so this film is basically just made for people who have seen the musical or know of the musical yeah and that's not that it's not a small group of people but it's it's not something where like a wide release it's gonna appeal to everyone yeah and i don't know it like for them trying to market it as like a family film, it does not feel like a family film. They'd marketed it as the most joyful event of the holiday season. <laughs> and it was just, it was a weird fucking event for your holiday season. Something to but laugh hey, about with your family. I, I, def- I guarantee <laughs> this is going to be a midnight movie. I am going to make an announcement here on this podcast. Ooh, an announcement. Yes, it's really big. It's going to change the world. I so big. I'm going to start. Huge. A, I'm starting a petition <laughs> to have the Oriental Theater here in Milwaukee host 
a midnight screening of cats. I'm going to start it up. I'm going to tweet out, tweet out to them. I'm going to get that theater's attention. I'm going to do everything in my power. I'm going to get out to Universal Studios. <laughs> I am going to do everything and get them to have a special screening of it here in Milwaukee. I am going to do just the same thing that happened to Milwaukee, to Oriental Theater with Rocky Horror Picture Show. There's going to be midnight screenings of cats. <laughs> and it's all going to start out here in Milwaukee. And you heard it first here on the Zima Podcasting Network. <laughs> He's determined. Well, I guess, yeah. Would you go again for a midnight screening where everyone can scream need, and be horrified? I would need to be... Edibles. Ed- I would need edibles and a good amount of alcohol. But what about some DMT? <sighs> um, <laughs> that's, that's crazy, man. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think I'm good with my edible and um, some alcohol. But then, yeah, I'd totally be down because you know, fun and fun with friends. <laughs> okay. Well, but, it's gonna happen. Yeah. So I don't know. It was. It, it's fun watching it with a group of people because with everyone kind of laughing and there was a moment in the theater where someone was like, there was a weird, weird, something weird happened on screen. And then there was silence. And then the dude was like, are we not going to talk about just what just happened on screen? (laughs) And honestly, I I remember that I live for moments. Like, like I love movie watching like moments like that, where it's like, you're collectively in like on the same page being like, what are enjoying it? So Anyways, we talked about that we would talk about Starlight Express. So we will, because it's a love of mine and Max, like cats brought us to Starlight Express. So we, we I feel like we kind of have to, to introduce oh, yeah. it and oh, yeah. talk about it and get the movement to get Starlight Express big. Okay, so folks, you think Cats is a weird musical. You don't know shit. You don't, you, you think, oh, Cats is weird. It's about horny cats wanting to be wanting to be killed and shot off to heaven. And let me one up you, horny trains. Horny that trains fuck each other. <laughs> in Starlight Express, a caboose wants to get it on with a train car, a hot train car, and he races all the other train cars to get to there. And it's all happening inside a child's dream. And at the end of the fucking musical. The trains rebel against the child. There's an entire song where the caboose sings to their god, the Starlight Express, which is literally a giant fucking train that comes out of the stage and speaks directly to the caboose. But also, the Starlight Express, there's a whole song called the Starlight Express where Rusty, the caboose, is like... Starlight Express, help me! But then the Starlight Express is like you—you uh, you have the Starlight Express within you, so it's very confusing. And then also, this is all happening in an eight-year-old eight boy's mind, which yes. is weird. And oh, and this—the stage play, the stage musical—all the actors are on roller roller skates, and the stage is designed so they will roll around. Into the audience. Well, the one in Germany. We've done some research. <laughs> well, also, like, there's, like, one role, one of it in, yeah. like, on the West End and certain places. Because, like, it, it's, it takes a special theater to do it. And there's only... That's why it doesn't go on tour very often, because it takes so much work to do. And also, it's fucking dangerous, because <laughs> multiple times, character actors run into each other, hurt themselves, get run over by the freaking <laughs> rollerblades, and have been carted off stage screaming at one point it was voted the most dangerous show on the west end because of the amount of injuries there was like i can't remember there was um i saw one statistic where it was like it was like eight injuries per season or whatever yeah (laughs) which is kind of a lot for a show yeah (laughs) but here's the thing though all the songs they're bangers they're kind of they're kind of great they're yeah if you want to take a glance, they're on. They're it's on all on Spotify. Spotify yeah. Both versions because it's very Weber, '80s, aggressively it's '80s. It's aggressively '80s, and Weber never, never stopped changing it. He's so, been working on it for what, like 20, 30 years? Thirty-five years now, because he premiered in like '84, and then he changed it all as the new Starlight Express in 1993, and then he changed it even more when. It 
apparently it's one of the best selling sh- musicals in Germany of all time. So there is a theater that was built in Germany distinctively for showing Starlight Express. It was built. It was one of the fastest built theaters because it was built for Starlight Express. And <laughs> on top of all of this, it has been running nonstop for over thirty years. For over thirty years, almost every night there has been a production of Starlight Express. And it's so beautiful that they love it so much. It's on my bucket <laughs> list. I need to see Starlight Express here. I need to. And You'll like, have to brush up on your German, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good start. Oh, anyways, thank you for let, letting us vent about Starlight Express and getting the message out because it's so wild that Andrew Lloyd Webber was like, you know what? I can't just settle at horny cats. I need to have horny Thomas trains. the Tank Engine on LSD. That's what we need. Essentially, yeah. And just some of the clips from the show, it's like, it's it's fucking weird. Imagine. Imagine taking edibles and seeing Starlight Express. Oh my god, though, what a that time. sounds amazing. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's it's just it's hard to wrap your brain around it. It's oh yeah. Oh my god, it's. <laughs> woo, 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 woo. <laughs> Nobody does it like a steam train. Yeah, we're at that point where we know some lyrics. Okay, yeah. we should also wrap this on top up. of this. My parents saw it on the West End like twice. And my dad still stands by, and it's one of his, the best musicals ever. Also, my dad's been obsessed with trains, as we talked in our last <laughs> episode. So it shouldn't be much of a surprise. Of course he'd love a musical about trains. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. Thank you for letting us uh, unload our, our, our love for Starlet Express. And, but, yeah, and I hope that 2020 is good to you. It'll be an interesting year, folks. Yes. It it'll will be. be an interesting year. And hopefully it'll be better for cats, too. <laughs> There's, you know, they only have, they can only go up from here. Only go up from here, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening. And until next time, this has been Time to Adapt. Meow. <gasps> no! Yeah!